This is The Topic is Trek, episode 133, for Friday, March 10th, 2023. Coming up in this episode, Discovery is coming back in 2024. But brace for impact of price hikes on Paramount Plus, and we venture into the cosmic cloud of Picard. All that and more right now on The Topic is Trek. Last Call at the Disco. Welcome to The Topic is Trek, the podcast that runs on impulse power. Join us for a journey where no show has gone before. If it has to do with Star Trek, there's a good chance we'll talk about it. Sooner or later, because on this show, The Topic is Trek. Engage already. We should make one of those uh, Belaka puppets and just have it there when that segment is is on. Don't well, t- hello don't everyone. Tempt me. Don't tell me. <laughs> I'm Clinton. One of your topic is Trek co-hosts, and of course, to be a co-host, I have to have other hosts with me. So, beaming in to join me from parts unknown with a hip new catchphrase. Ooh, it's a long, long beam. He needs time to think about this one. I got to breathe again. Take us yeah. out. Take us out. That that that's it. That that's the. I, or is that that? that, that no, I. You're no. going to get taken out with this. <laughs> <laughs> Take us out. And, and also, apparently, in the uh, in the transporter control is Mister Chuck Tomasi. Aye, aye, Captain. Copy that. Ready where you're steady where she goes. Something, something, blah, blah, blah. blah Techno blah, babble. Yeah, close, yeah. <laughs> close enough. Close enough. Well, we've got a lot to talk about on this episode of the show. We've got some subspace chatter news for you. We've got a report from Chuck and Craig on Star Trek The Cruise 6. Then we're going to talk about the uh, most recent three, count them three episodes of Star Trek Picard. And we will wrap things up with an intriguing Warp Speed Roundtable question. Oof, we're going to have to make this a weekly podcast sooner or later. Oh, <laughs> Just right off your Thursday nights from now on, guys. Yeah. Well, what will make things go very smoothly is to get things started. Of course, I'm going to make sure we're all thumbs up from Mr. Charlie X. Charlie, are we all set to go with subspace chatter? Charlie's at the con. You don't need all that subspace chatter. And that's a definitely go. So you're first up, Chuck. Well, earlier this month, Paramount Plus announced that Star Trek Discovery's upcoming fifth season will be its last. The series not only reignited Trek on the small screen, but it also helped launch Paramount's streaming service, then known as CBS All Access, way, way back in 2017. We need a star date on that or something. That seems like it's so far away. Uh, It was pre-pandemic. Little did we know. The adventures to come on Star Trek. Yeah. In 2020, the burn showed up. Right, yes. the burn. <laughs> well, according to disco regular Doug Jones, the cast was given word at the at the end of the journey. They gave him to that in a Zoom call. Now, he was grateful of been able to be together with his fellow actors when the announcement was made, even if it was just a virtual gathering. 
Paramount Plus also announced that the final season will now debut in early 2024, which is much later than earlier anticipated. And we're going to continue on this story. So, Craig, you've got more on this. I do. And don't, no don't say Craig re- and Moron in the same sentence, please. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, because other people use it plenty. <laughs> so, no specific reason for the timing of the change was given. However, we do know that Discovery cast was and crew got a production extension to film a proper conclusion to the series, which is a welcomed uh, addition. They will also be filming scenes that will help lead to the finale episode. Uh, details of the ending are being kept secret, but one person with some knowledge of the story is Jonathan Frakes. Go mm. figure, right? Also, we don't know if Frakes is involved with the finale. I'm sure he is. He did describe this, the plan as stunning, adding, excuse me, I'm getting choked up here, adding that it's a very satisfying ending. Are they going to so, do another Enterprise ending? Uh, he said satisfying and yeah. very, yeah. so no, another <laughs> hey. possible reason. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh no, please continue. Okay. Another slam on enterprise. Um, another possible reason for the delay is the fact that Paramount will be planning to send the show off in style with events planned in certain key markets throughout the year, leading up to the final season's release Further details will be released at a later date. A statement from executive producers and co-showrunners Alex Kurtzman and Michelle Paradise read in part, quote, we couldn't be prouder of everything Discovery has contributed to its legacy, particularly with representation. Mm -hmm. If just one person sees themselves or the possibilities for their future in a new way because of Discovery, then we think we'd have made Gene Roddenberry very proud. And as far as the topic of Trek is concerned, we know that Discovery has its ups and downs. But we readily acknowledge that if Disco had failed, the chances of us ever having gotten Short Treks, Picard, Lower Decks, Prodigy, Strange New Worlds, and whatever else is to follow would have been greatly diminished. This fact alone affords Discovery special honors in the history of Trek. That's right. And according to Paramount Plus, a season five of Discovery, we will find the crew uncovering a mystery that sends them on an epic adventure across the galaxy. They have to find an ancient power whose very existence has been hidden for centuries. And there are others on the hunt as well. Dangerous foes who are desperate to claim the prize for themselves. Con! No, 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 no more. Yeah. Shockery. <laughs> yeah. So we look for it in 2024. All right. Now put on your corporate hats because we're going to delve a bit into some news from Paramount Plus. During a recent earnings call, Paramount Global CEO Bob Backish announced that the company plans to raise prices for Paramount Plus subscriptions when it rebrands as Paramount Plus. Exactly, Eric's. It's going to rebrand as Paramount Plus with Showtime. Hmm. A monthly ad-free subscription will increase from $9.99 to $11.99 and will include Showtime. I know. And will include Showtime content at no additional charge. The Hmm. ad-supported plan will go from $4.99 to $5.99. No word on how this will affect customers who have the legacy CBS All Access $5.99 ad-supported tier with local channel access, which could signal that that tier will be phased out. 
We'll have to see. The announcement comes after other Hollywood giants have also raised their monthly subscription fees. Industry watchers note that there is an increasing shift away from subscriber growth in streaming with attention now focused on profitability. Of course it is. Who would have thought? That means streaming services have moved into a price-raising mode. Mm Mm-hmm. Not a pleasant mode for those of us who have these things. The price changes will coincide with the formal launch of the Paramount Plus with Showtime platform in the third quarter of 2023. Interestingly enough, while speaking on the call, CEO Backish spoke to a revised strategy for the Showtime service, stating the plan is to, quote, efficiently manage the company's content spending going forward by leaning into franchises which drive the majority of engagement on showtime quote the higher level of consumer awareness and built-in fan bases associated with this ip drive strong subscriber acquisition volume lower acquisition costs lower churn and extend ltvs which is loan to value ratios it's a finance thing backish concluded and while we will of course continue to take selective swings on new ips there's no question that franchises our power have a powerful advantage. Now, how will this translate to what happens to Star Trek, which is part of the core Paramount Plus brand? Well, that's yet to be seen. Paramount expects 2023 to be its peak investment year for streaming, with mm. 2024 returning to positive free cash flow and free. total co- yes, no. and total company <laughs> earnings growth. Going into 2024, Paramount is said to expect reductions in the growth rate of headcounts. So that wah, means people, layoffs, yeah. production, and technology expenses after a full year of integration with Showtime and Paramount Plus. I hear they're mm. going to merge with the uh, Yellowstone brand and bring back Spectre of the Gun. I that would not not have lied. I think I think that would <laughs> totally, totally work. Yeah. Yeah. So now that will be our third name change. Uh, well, well. So CBS All Access, then Paramount Plus, and now it's going to be Paramount Plus. With Showtime. Well, just Another put the mountain. Showtime at the end. It's Paramount plus Showtime. Works for me. Yeah. I was going to say plus and is kind of redundant. Isn't it? Yeah. Yes. With is just, okay. It's another mountain to climb. Oh, Indeed. I see what you did there. <laughs> you didn't even intend to do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> I did. <laughs> All right. Now we've got to go into space for Chuck's next story. An international team of space scientists have discovered that the detection of the Vulcan homeworld was made. I need a reverb for this one. In error. You Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You just said Vulcan scientists and error in the same sentence. You are you in do that. error. I was waiting to use that nomad clip. <laughs> Okay, according to the series Enterprise, which we all just mentioned in love and faith. Nothing but love. Nothing but Faith of the heart. Heart. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) According to Enterprise, Vulcan orbits a star called 40 Eridani A. That star and its fictional planet were based on a real star, 40 Eridani A. And in 2018, an exoplanet was discovered orbiting the star and was named 40 Eri B. Though many Star Trek fans no doubt wanted it to be named Vulcan. Unfortunately, it turns out that 40 Airy B does not really exist. The twist. What? Originally, radial velocity was used to study the wavelengths of the light emitted from 40 Eridani A. 
The team observed what they thought was a gravitational tug on the star, indicating pull from an exoplanet. Very common way to discover planets around stars. But in tracing features of the light spectrum from the star, the team found that the pull was actually due to activity on the surface of the star, not evidence of an exoplanet. Now, our writer put in the same thing I was thinking as I read this the first time through. Are we living in the Kelvinverse where Vulcan was there, but it's not anymore? Yes, it was imploded. That's right. Between 2018 and now, and poor Spock is out there watching. <laughs> yeah. He's, I just, stuck. Uh, he's waiting for somebody to show up and wit- pick him up. I witnessed the destruction of my planet. Yeah, he's stuck in Siberia. Siberia. He's, he's got Scotty there with him and um, Kinzer. So, mm. that right. going for him. well, that's a almost a bridge club. <laughs> almost a bridge club. All right. So, in a previous episode of The Topic is Trick, we talked about Nicolas Cage and a statement he made during an interview. He said that Pedro Pascal, best known these days for The Mandalorian, The Last of Us, you name it, uh, has been trying to get Cage to appear in Mando. When the reporter asked Cage if he if he would do it, the reactor replied, uh, I'm really down. Uh, I'm not really down. I'm, I'm, I'm more of a Trekkie. Uh, I'm on the Star Trek Enterprise. I'm sorry. I'm trying to do my best, Cage, but I ain't working. And not at all. I, yeah, he said so. I'm, I'm not I'm really a, down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So he's bees, bees. <laughs> so he said, that's what he said in the interview. It's kind of weird. Uh, he said, I, I'm really on the Star Trek Enterprise role. Uh, I'm not on the star in the Star Wars family. I'm a Star Trek family. I'm in the Star Trek family. So he said, now during the separate, inter- during a separate interview, the reporter was re- re- uh, relayed this information to Pascal and the actor was quick to say, reply saying, Nick is one of the smartest people I've ever met. And uh, does he talk about the same Nick? Anyway, and yes. and I think that makes sense in terms of how cerebral and puzzle making a lot of Star Trek is. I will admit that it is a little over my head as a child. It lands on me much more as an adult. So he is just sort of smarter than us. Think about that for a minute. Uh, that doesn't mean that you would prefer Star Trek over Star Wars because you can have both. Absolutely. And I agree with that. Absolutely. That's my words. But I can identify with his intellectual loyalty to Star Trek. He is a dedicated fan. Well done, Pedro. Well done. Vote for Pedro. Yeah, let's say vote for Pedro. No, I, mean, I just had this discussion with my boss today. He was he got on a team call and uh, he said Chuck just got back from Star Trek cruise. Although I'm more of a Star Wars fan, I said, Mark, why are you making trouble where there is none? And everybody laughed. Yeah, <laughs> that's all right. Hey, during a, during our meeting on Wednesday. Uh, my my boss puts the notes for our, our large team meeting in OneNote, mm-hmm. and I I posted a my facepalm picture of me on the bridge on the chair rather. <laughs> anyway, well, I was just thinking in my in my work today <laughs> at home. Uh, <laughs> Your work, Bonnie. Yeah, Bonnie dishes that, out to you. Yeah, that um that you know. The IRS probably doesn't think that Nick is that smart, but that's another story. <laughs> oh, ow. Oh, oh, slam there. All right. Soon, on this show, soon. the topic is Nick. Well, <laughs> when it has to do with IRS, it's way too soon. Always. Yeah. Let's, let's move on to Vulcan Alberta, Canada news. No right. Trek specific news out of Vulcan this time around. So we bring you this hot item. 
Vulcan County Council has awarded a $1.5 million Canadian contract to KID Fire Trainers to complete the upgrades of the county's fire tower. Now, you got to spell that. It's K-I-D-D-E, like the fire extinguishers that you bought. Yeah, I, and I'm assuming that's pronounced KID, although S-T-I-H-L is not still. It's steel, so yes. anything goes. I think well, Kitty. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, Kitty. Okay. Okay. That, that's but that sounds a little the, the kitty fire trainer that just well, it's got two d's in it I mean, put it, your fire out mister no <laughs> leave me alone i'm not paying you a quarter I got a get, out, gun. get out of here kid i'll pee on it well a proposal before council was to have the project completed over the next two years the administration asked the council to consider completing the project in 2023 to limit mm. the amount of downtime and to allow for increased training and rental opportunities Completing the project in the single phase will also mitigate any unforeseen price changes or material shortages which could occur in 2024. We here at the Topic is Trek agree with the decision to get the project done as quickly as possible. We understand the importance of having properly trained firefighters when it comes to a place named Vulcan. Can right. I yes which and this? What's that? Can I yes and this on a very personal note? Uh, sure. I can I tie, I can tie firefighters to Star Trek in a story from last Friday, we drove to Los Angeles for the cruise. We drove home on Friday, March 3rd. We got in our house about 3 p.m., started talking to my son-in-law and daughter as they were preparing dinner. Now, they wanted to cook out. So we don't cook out the, all that often, maybe once a month. They're cooking out. And all of a sudden, I walk out and everybody's like in the corner of the lot. Like the cat got into the bushes or something. I said, what's going on? They said, there's smoke coming from next door. So they boosted me up on the cinder block wall. We have, we have cinder block walls and in our yard, we have 15 foot high oleanders. That would be about five meters to you Canadians. And I got up there and there's this little shed in the very corner of the neighbor's lot that's on fire. And there's flames licking out of it. Of it looks course. like this. Of course, it's the one closest to you. Right. Well, it's yeah. also right next to a bigger like utility shed made out of wood and whatnot. Full of dynamite. I'm just trying to make it interesting. Which, is, which, which has gasoline. a chain link <laughs> dog kennel with a mad dog barking in it next oh. to that. So as much as I don't like that dog, I didn't want to see it go up in smoke. So I'm squirting water on this thing, but I'm not able to get water inside. You can hear the fire crackling and popping like a Christmas fire. Yeah. So I said, Lisa, call the fire department. She gets them on their way. Grantus and I run around the block and I bang on the door. Little old lady answers the door. I said, hi, I'm your neighbor. You've got a fire in your backyard. The fire department's on its way. We go back there. And by the time I get there, these flames are back. I mean, I knocked them down, but they were back uh, about seven feet in the air above the shed. Now starting to endanger the bigger shed and my oleanders and everything else. So we get our garden hose and we're squirting it down. And the firemen show up and you think they're going to take out their big fire hose? No, they take the little garden hose from me and squirt it some more. <laughs> Turns out there's some water balloons on this it. kind little old lady's son had made a homemade smoker. It looked like a steel outhouse is what it looked like. Oh, so she put this like five gallon steel pail full of burning wood inside of a steel shed that's framed with wood and the frame caught on fire. And there's no chimney. That was the kicker. It, it, Why would they put it inside the... What? Inside the shed. No, I mean, it wasn't inside the shed. It was It was a little shed next to a big shed. Okay. All right. And oh, it was next no. to my yard. So if the little shed had gone up in flames, setting the big shed on flames, 
Who knows what would have happened? We don't cook out right. that often. We're lucky to have been home when we could, when we were. We're lucky she was home. And it just, it was the luck of the draw that this thing did not go sideways because it could have gone really, really fast. Yeah, so. your poor Orleanders. <laughs> How about the poor houses around us? Yeah, I know. Actually, your, didn't your Orleanders uh, suffer? No, I don't think so. They're pretty hard. Oh, they're, maybe I misunderstood the picture you sent. Or, well, you know, yeah. We'll uh, return to the topic is homeownership. <laughs> well, you mentioned fire departments <laughs> and Star Trek. We had the cruise. Which, we came home to which a fire. Leads us, which leads us to our GoFundMe for Vulcan Alberta candidate. That's right. Because they need <laughs> to get that done now, clearly. Okay. Moving right along. Moving right along. So we've covered some interesting stories here in including a, a fire that was threatening things going on around Chuck. But we have an additional 59 Star Trek stories that we have listed in our show notes. You can find them over at episode 133, Last Call at the Disco, over at the topic is trek.com. And one of the articles, really quickly, is about the passing of composer Gerald Freed. Mm. He's responsible for many pieces of music in film and uh, television, but you might know him best for a certain piece of music, which we do not have the rights to, so we will not play. That involves uh, Kirk and Spock having a fight uh, on Vulcan. That piece of music, he was the composer of that piece of music. I got to tell you, speaking of the music of Star Trek, I was just playing some in the car. Maybe I was on a high from the cruise or whatever, Uh, but I was, I mean, Star Trek high, not like a contact high or anything. Anyway, so I was in the car. I was listening to, uh, I just told it to play uh, the Undiscovered Country soundtrack because I really like that. But it kind of went on and was playing some others. And just listening to those, especially with like headphones, that is some beautiful music. I'm talking about everything from TOS on forward. There is so much good Star Trek music. You were wearing headphones in the car? You were driving wearing headphones? That's not right. No, I ended up listening to some of it on my headphones. I'm just saying ah, that okay. it's so good to listen to. It's fantastic. Absolutely. Uh, it, absolutely. All of it. All of it's fantastic. Absolutely. Um, and I think one of the things, I don't know if I get a chance to talk about this uh, during the episode, but I think one of the things I'm really enjoying about um, Picard is the fact that you're hearing not only a lot of Jerry Goldsmith music in there, but you're getting the references to the other mm-hmm. composers, uh, you know, a, a lot of um, James Horner, in there as well. Alexander so you, Courage. You have, yep. Yeah. You, you're having lots of these composers kind of all together yeah. in this thing. And I, I looked and the last I had seen, they had not released the soundtrack for it. Um, now, one of the reasons you don't do that sometimes is because you've titled the cuts, things that are spoilers. And I know once or twice there've been films that have been released. Uh, the soundtracks have been released before the film and it's like, this is not a track, but you know, it's like oh, it's releasing yeah. Star Trek two. And it's like Spock dies music, you know, that type of thing, <laughs> Oops. you know, spoiler alert. Exactly. Yeah. But you know what? I actually thought the same thing. I was thinking of, uh, tweeting at, uh, Terry Metalis and say, Hey, look, we need a soundtrack for Picard. They can do it afterwards. That's fine. But I mean, they're, they're like, uh, I heard hints of the Klingon oh, yeah. you know, oh, music absolutely. from, uh, the motion picture. Uh, you can hear obviously music from con, uh, yeah, from con everything. It's yep. all in there. Yep. And I'm sure Nichelle, Nichelle Nichols is going to start singing here pretty soon. We're going to hear that in one episode. Huh? Good. Good. Very well be, uh, which reminds me when we're talking about the, uh, the extra stories that we didn't get a chance to cover. 
I've often said that the way you can tell what's popular at the moment is how many links I have to a particular thing. Um, the Because we don't have any news other than the fact that Disco will end with season five, there's only a few articles about Disco, mm -hmm. but there are a lot of episode, uh, articles about Picard because that's extremely, I mean, usually we'll get a fair amount of articles yeah. when the current show is showing, but I'm talking about a lot of articles and I didn't include them all. If there were, you know, ones that are kind of close to each other, I, I, I picked and chose which ones I put in there, but it's extremely, extremely popular yep. right now yep. on the interwebs. All right. And with that said, it's time for my favorite part of the show when I get to say <clears throat> goodbye, Charlie. I want to stay, 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 stay. Oh, my God. No surprise. Well, maybe he's off on the cruise. Well, the if, cruise he wanted, over, so if, if he wanted to stay so bad, he wouldn't be such a jerk. I know. I know. He should sit in the corner and think about that. Actually, I think we were all saying that when we were leaving the ship. I want to stay, stay, stay. <laughs> Which leads directly into our away team report with an appropriate yeah. sound effect. Oh, sound effect. Um... Insufficient sensor data. Oh, this is going to make it interesting. But yeah. uh, Chuck and Craig are just back. Well, a few, about a week or so ago from uh, Star Trek, the cruise six, and they're going to give us some, uh, some highlights of, of what happened on there. Hey, let me start by saying the weather is weird. I left here. And it and it was like eighty degrees, eighty degree weather here in the south. We left from Atlanta, mm -hmm. showed up in L.A. I'm I've got just shorts and t-shirts, and it was about and 50 one pair of jeans. And rainy, and it was like in the forties. It snowed in some places. Blizzard snowed, situations yeah. in areas, and rain when we were trying to get on the ship. It was crazy, and it was cool actually the entire time. No, it wasn't. We as soon as we yes, got to Cabo, it was fine. Not Mexico was, was fine. It, it, was, cool. it was it was when totally we were cool. it was the way not, there and the way back. As soon as we got out from behind yeah. the Baja Peninsula, it was yeah, it was that's true. windy and chilly and the boat was rocking and it takes a lot Ooh. to rock the big cruise boats these days. I think yeah, it was rocking so much on the way back. Uh we all got so used to it when we everybody in our We chat had sea group legs like, for like 3 or yeah, 4 days. Like, yeah, I mentioned something. I said, "Hey, has everybody else still got sea legs?" "Oh my god, yes. Oh my god, yes." <laughs> And then I said, I'm still waiting for my waiter to bring me the bread and take my drink order. That's right. Three days later. Well, let's let's back up to you guys being right. Yeah, okay. On back the on the cruise. So I had a great time. I as as the years go by, it's less about moments with the celebrities. I mean, it's nice to see them and have them and some are like usual, some are more accessible than others. It's more about seeing the friends we met on previous cruises. Hey, like and wouldn't you wouldn't you say that it was the same for Dragon Con? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very much the same. I mean, how many panels do we go to anymore? Zippo. <laughs> Zero. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I don't want to see so and so signing autographs. Uh, I'm looking for Clinton, or I'm looking for whoever. Right. You know. Right. Scott. Oh, wait, Scott. Only, only the cruise is less work than Dragon Con for us. <laughs> we don't have well, to really prepare a show. Yeah. Uh, but it, yeah, it, it, it was hanging out with, you know, Craig and Kim and, um. Melissa and her husband Chris, and we even met some new friends. We we adopted a new, what would you call it, daughter? <laughs> Sydney, two. Sydney, two, two people. No, yes. Darren and Sydney. Darren and Sydney, and and you know, Mercedes was back. But it was it was good to see all my old karaoke friends, uh, 
Kevin and Russ was back. Uh, spend more time with him this time around because before the cruise, we we got together for some karaoke on Thursday night before we set mm-hmm. sail. At, yeah, at imagine a, at a, that, Clint. Mi- microbrew. Well, Craig said, we're meeting up at a microbrew. And then I went, oh, I don't know. There's karaoke. I'm on my way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He was, it, was like, indeed. It, was, it was like the roadrunner took off and there was like a cloud. There was there was a bit of repeat material on this one. I was a little disappointed in some respects. Garrett what, Wong what, Garrett Wong reprised a lot of his 2020 material for his from his first comedy act because they were making uh, a documentary and and they wanted some of his highlights about about Garrett or about the voice was it about Voyager was it related it was, to it was his cruise stories I mean he okay. he has it. And and Kim made a good point. It's not really comedy with Garrett Wong. It's cruise stories with Garrett Wong. Yeah. Um, yeah. There yeah were anybody few, that there... had been on the cruise would be like, oh, uh, okay. Or was, wasn't in the, in the know, yeah. they wouldn't understand, you know. They had another reading right. of John Delancey's Lost World. They did that on Star Trek The Cruise 5. Which, hmm. which they, was good. They yes, did this, was... the, the improv script reading of Devil in the Dark. They did that on Cruise 4. Like, what is going on? Did somebody have Why a Why would copy? they do the same episode I when they have somebody to choose from? I, exactly, Eric's. Exactly. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's my line. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. So, yeah, I, we went, I went to some of those things. They had the usual, you expect Robert Picardo and his buddy Jordan to do a musical night. That was fun. You expect the Rat Pack to come out and sing songs. Those were all, uh, all like Star Trek parodies that Max Grudenchik had written. I mean, it was impressive just in the yeah. songwriting, and let alone the delivery. Now, I know you were on the last, the the previous one, but the the Rat Pack thing, those were those were all new songs, right? New, I'm new. pretty sure they were. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they were we, great. They they had a community room this time where you could sign mm-hmm. up and reserve the room for whatever you wanted. I mean, it could yep. be trading stickers. It could be. We set up uh, a meeting on Saturday after we set sail for a podcast meetup. And we had what, about eight, nine, 10 people there. Just kind of, Oh, I was thinking more like 12 to 15 or 12 to about 12 people. Yeah. yeah. And, and, uh, you know, after we did our introductions, there was a mic and an amp and that's all we needed. Uh, we did our introductions, got to meet John champion from various CBS, uh, things. I know him from the, uh, Larry Namachek's the Trek files. Yep. He was doing some onboard camera work. And Super whatnot. nice guy. Saw him buzzing around hey, periodically. And what a dapper dresser he is, let me say. Yeah. And I don't use dapper all the time. I, and and when we, we we got through all the introductions, well, we still got like 30 minutes to kill here, people. Uh, let's have a panel. <laughs> so I, yeah. I, we quickly the arranged some chairs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was, I, I was the facilitator and people said, well, let's talk Patreon or something. So we got up and had a fun discussion. That was, that was a lot of fun. Uh, of course, there was singing. Lots of lots of uh, opportunity for that. Hey, uh, by the way, yeah. Uh, back up just a second for the um, the podcast meetup. Yes, which there was a gentleman I met. Uh, Kim and I met. We sat down at one of the kind of long tables near the pool. Uh, you know where it's it's about. You sit at the table and everybody can eat. It's not. It's just a uh, along with the chairs and stuff. There's a long table, and we were talking to this guy, and uh, he was. He's to- told us how he was inspired by Gary Seven and how he was making a Star Trek museum in Oklahoma. And I was like, okay, do tell. And he said, well, you know, 
how Gary Seven was uh, sent to Earth to uh, to keep us from killing ourselves or doing things to harm ourselves. And so he was he was uh, inspired by that, and that's why he was making this museum to kind of uh, highlight some of the things that that are good uh, in society and and talk about Star Trek and stuff too. So anyway, when when the podcast meet up, I had not met this gentleman before, but uh, I met this guy oh, at, along with everybody else, and he was talking about how he was doing a podcast, interviewing people that were inspired by Star Trek to do things, and I was like. Here's the meetup right here. So I introduced the two. Let's see what let's see what happens there. But uh, but it's those kind of things that you know yeah. organically show the, up and I like that. And and one of the organic moments was uh with Nicole DeBoer. She played yeah. Esri Dax <laughs> on on the final yeah. season of DS9. She's just walking by, stops at Gorn's Mojito Bar, and we're sitting there. It's like, hey, pull <laughs> up a chair. You know, we sat and chatted with her and her friend well, Zoe for it started about off, a half hour. She was sit, she was coming. I saw her coming to the bar. I said, like, oh, that's Nicole. And I just, all I did was wave because she looked at her in our direction. I just waved. And then uh, she waved. She came over, and Chuck, Donna, and myself were sitting there. I was like, you want to have a seat? And she sat there and talked with us for about 20 minutes. And then her friend shows up, and we talked to them for another 20 minutes. And got to know them. It was pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I don't think she recognized me, even though we were singing and dancing on Sunday night to Aha Take On Me. But (laughs) don't you know me? Yeah. (laughs) Fond, fond memories from two days ago. (laughs) Whoosh. Right. You know, and I don't blame them. There's 10,000 people on this cruise. Okay. About 3,000 people. And what was kind of strange, not strange, I don't know, interesting was we had that time together. We were all hanging out. Well, the next day, we, Kim and I went on an excursion. We come back, you know how it is. You get on the one of the lower decks of the boat and you go up to you go to the elevators. Get one of the lower decks of the boat. I see what you're saying. That's right. And everybody's kind of waiting on elevators. Well, she walks up and kind of grabs my elbow. It's like, hey there. I was like, oh my God. She's like, Oh, she remembered you, but she didn't remember me, even though, you know, we sang, we danced. Maybe she remembers this thing and went, Oh yeah, I remember you. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Maybe I don't want to sit with you at the bar. Yeah, but we met her friend and her friend's a restaurateur. Uh, that opens restaurants in uh, around the Toronto area, which mm, that I mean, was interesting to talk about too. So. We also had a little moment with Bob Picardo. We were yes. we were doing a group shot around the TOS captain's chair, and they had to backdrop cloth, so everybody's there. Craig's sitting in the captain's seat. Well, and it's all our group, the people you know, Clinton, all our whole little group yeah. of friends that are on the cruise. And and Bob walks by, and I forgot what he did. He made a gesture or said something, you know, kind of friendly, like, "Hey, how's it going?" And and I. I got into like aggressive mode real fast. I was like, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. You can't walk by and do that and not get, yeah. get over here and get in the picture. So we boot Craig out of the captain's seat, put Robert <laughs> Picardo there. <laughs> Again. We do a no, couple of shots. You know, he's, he's hey, doing this. He, he, we were trying to get him, goad him to come back over. And he was. He's trying to get a drink from the bar 10 feet away. Well, yeah. And he's reaching in his pockets. I was like, what's he doing? And he pulls out his hollow emitter. Yeah, he, somebody made him a 3D, 3D printed hollow emitter that he had to show off for our picture. So it's like, he's, yeah. he's proud of that. He even mentioned it on stage the next night. He goes, you like my hollow emitter? Yeah. So. Oh, you missed something. Uh, I don't know if you missed it, but you hadn't said it yet. Chuck and I got a hug from Doug Jones. He was very approachable. He was probably the most approachable celebrity on board. And he, he said that when they were doing the intros. He said, look, if you see me around ship, I, I'm a hugger. Give me a hug. So yeah, and I yep. thought he'd be above it all, you see, because he's so he yeah. was. Oh. He, he's above everybody's above. <laughs> but above it, me. it wasn't just like come here, pat, pat, pat. Now go away. 
He's giving us a soft conversation in your ear while you're hugging. He, he, I, he I patted cut, him on the back. My face. Yeah, he I cucked my face. He, he oh kissed my a number of people on the forehead. Yeah, uh -huh. I, I'm patting him on the back, and he goes, "Oh, I like that. That's a good <laughs> hug." Like, Not creepy at all, Doug. Not creepy at all. He he cupped my face, and then he reaches around, hugs me for a second, and as he was done, I was like, "I got to tell you one thing. I've been a fan of yours since McDonald's." And then <laughs> and then uh, he kind of, "Oh, really?" And then. You know, I didn't know he and, was actually and doing those, it during. Right. I, I didn't know he was actually uh, Mac tonight back then, but I I know now. And I just that's the first thing that came to mind. And then these <laughs> this two cut this couple beside me went, "What McDonald's?" And he goes, "That was, that my, was my first, first gig." Yeah. You know, right. he, like, he, uh, Doug was uh, the character in Mac tonight, which was you know McDonald's yeah. attempt to have you have you for dinner to go with to the, McDonald's with the yeah. moon head. Yeah, yeah. the crescent right. moon play the piano. Right. Yeah. As you would call the McDonald's and reserve a booth, you know, yes. and for dinner. Table too. for two. Do you have a table? That was nice. Do you have a commercials on YouTube if you want to if you want to see them? You know, yeah. look, look up Mac well, tonight. And and Chuck and I, we we only approached him that one time, but I'm not kidding when I say we spotted him like twelve oh, times. Yeah, and he at was, least he was being patient time you know giving his time to whoever was talking with him hugging people i'm like wow this is pretty nice you know he's he's a super spreader and some and, <laughs> and, well the cruise i don't know if that's a good uh uh but it's it's interesting because you you sometimes can spot who's done a lot of conventions and such and who hasn't yeah that, that, yeah. that hasn't done a lot mingle that has done a lot not so much that, right. There are exceptions. I mean, Mary is yep. Mary Chifo is clearly an exception to that rule. Garrett yes. Wong is also very approachable. Right. Yeah, I actually spoke. I tapped him. He was talking with some people, and as I was walking by, I said, "Hey, Garrett." I just tapped him on the shoulder and kept walking. I, I you know, just patted him on the shoulder, and he'd always, "Hey, how you doing?" And keep talking and hanging out or whatever. See you at Peachtree. There we go. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so there were some there, like you said, there were some exceptions, like like. Doug or Garrett or whoever, and but it was it was kind of nice, and we saw a few others that, oh, how are you doing? As they kept walking, and I saw Jonathan Frakes. He walked right by me. And says, "Oh, hey, Jonathan, Doctor Nor." We had you know a little lunch Dr. time with. Oh yeah, him. he recognized. He, he recognized, he recognized us. us from the, yeah, as did Doctor Aaron McDonald's husband, Aaron. He said, "Hey, Chuck." I'm like, well, that was cool. One guy <laughs> <Yeah>. from <laughs> Service Now Land World recognized me. We're walking through the uh, casino. I know, we said we wouldn't get too deep into stories, but I got to tell this one. We're walking through the casino. He goes, are you Chuck Tomasi? And I used one of my regular snappy comebacks. I said, are you the police? And he like shuts down and Kim, cranks my Kim goes, nice going, Chuck. You scared him. He's shaking now. He worked up all that courage to say hello. And I said, I'm just, I'm just shattering the hero worship thing right here. Yeah. Never meet your heroes. Never meet yeah. your heroes. He's pretty nice guy, though. He was a nice guy. Yeah, we had, we had a, you know, 10 minute chat about work and what do you do and where are you from? And it was a lot of fun. Now, leading into, I don't know if that's, unless you have something else, Chuck. Nope. Leading into us talking about Picard, we got to see mm -hmm. episode three of Picard on the ship. And that was, uh, it was in the theater. So it wasn't like outside on the little Borg screen. I think they were showing movies before on a previous cruise when you were there. Yeah. But we were in the theater and it was fun watching everything uh, unfold. 
with everybody kind of cheering at certain moments. It was like a movie. Yeah. yeah. Worf shows so up on the screen. Yeah. Yeah, so you probably missed some dialogue over reactions. A little bit. Occasionally. Uh, like, we, you know, Warp says, beheading are on Wednesdays. Wednesdays. And I, everybody went, ah, starts yeah. laughing. And you're like, what did, what did Ralphie say? Right, yeah. yeah, what what led up to that moment? So I had to go back <laughs> when I got home and go, oh, yeah. you know, what are you wearing anyway? It's yeah. casual. You wear what that to, wear? like, beheadings on Tuesday? Yeah. And then you yeah. find the follow-up <laughs> line later. Okay. Right. Nice segue into episodes yeah. two, three, and four. That's right. So we're going to discuss them. So this is definitely a spoiler alert because we will be talking about the episodes, including apparently it's a, a bit of a spoiler for Craig, who unfortunately did not get a chance to see uh, the I last 10 it? minutes. Can of I, I play it? Can I play Actually, it? Can I play it? I'm going to play it. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Okay. Right. Actually, I've gotten to the point where I said, they're going to do what I was thinking they were going to do, but I haven't seen them execute it. So I don't know. I, I haven't seen the final end of that. Todd Stashwick. Episode. Is funny. They had to substitute him for John Billingsley at the last minute on the cruise. Oh, Todd Stashwick, Captain Shaw from Discovery. He's funny, and and Tawny Newsom is a stitch. I mean, their yeah. improv skills really came in handy this oh. week. They were just outrageous. Yeah, and that's something I wanted. I did want to point out as we're going into Picard. He actually introduced the episode that we watched on the ship. Yep, mm-hmm. and he came out and he said something that I was kind of thinking at the same time. He goes you guys have shown me so much love. Like I've been here since the nineties. He says, well, I've been here since the nineties, but you know, uh, like he's been involved in star Trek, but I've only been in two episodes, but everybody was really, uh, really, uh, you know, clapping for him and really appreciating him being there. And he was funny. Um, there was, I thought you were going to say the same thought as you. If everyone in this room gives me a dollar, I'll (laughs) know. That's when he threw it, pushed his pitch, but the GoFundMe. <laughs> All right, back uh, to episode two. But anyway, he was great. I just want to say he was great, and uh, and he was. Didn't he do the? He did the vows. Actually, he did the renewal of the vows. Yeah, Donna yeah, and I did like that. Again. So he really jumped in uh, head first with uh, Star Trek Crown. It was great. So All right, yeah, so uh, Chuck, opposing. Why don't you give us a little bit of information on episode two of the three we're going to be talking about tonight. In in and in great juxtaposition to renewing of the vows, this one's called disengage. Disengage. <laughs> mm. <laughs> <Okay. Just> what? <laughs> this is written by Christopher Monfet. I'll go with that. And Sean Tretta, directed by Douglas Aronyakowski. Arnia, I'm going to work on that. I have a speech impediment. Uh, Here's the short plot synopsis. Aided by Seven of Nine and the crew of the USS Titan, Picard makes a shocking discovery that will alter his life forever and puts him on a collision course with the most cunning enemy he's ever encountered. Meanwhile, Ruffy races to track a catastrophic weapon and collides with a familiar ally. Bam. Boom. Who might that be? Um... so we we had a discussion. I believe Mark it was <laughs> after the um, the last ep- we've done. We did. We were trying to predict who the handler was, and yep. I said it was going to be Worf, and I was wrong, and I said Worf as well. But I, I think, was right on another prediction that we'll get to later. Yes. So, um, all right. Let's let's talk about. Hey, the- I'm telling you, it was the wording that they used, and, they, and when he said warrior, right? Who else uses that word? Right. Yep. Well. Okay, so Worf rescues her from Smeed, get it, you know, beheads the Ferengi. That's what we saw at the end of episode right. one. 
And, but she's drugged and gets taken out. And that's when you see Worf at the end. You go, yay. So. Which leads directly into episode three. Hey, Worf, the silver fox uh, Klingon. <laughs> and oh, they, they had all of the costumes and props from Picard in the museum. The ship, the, the Rafi's cloak, Worf's, um, it's not a Mechleth. It's a bigger Catleth. version. Yeah. Catleth, Catleth or, yeah. It's Named a, after the person that designed the weapons. Ah. All right. So episode three is called 17 Seconds, written by Jane Mag and Cindy Appel, and directed by Jonathan Frakes. Short plot synopsis, Picard grapples with a life-altering revelation as the crew of the Titan attempts to outmaneuver Vadic, while Rafi and Worf uncover a plot by a vengeful enemy. Dun, dun, dun. And right. next one, Craig? All right. So episode four, titled No Win Scenario, written by Terry Metalis and Sean Tretta, and directed by Jonathan... Jo, 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 oh, oh, Jonathan Frakes. Frakes. <laughs> who jackman <laughs> no directed by jonathan frakes so this short synopsis for this is picard and Riker and crew must confront the sins of their past as the titan drifts help helplessly into a mysterious space anomaly so that is a lot that happened and you know i don't want to don't think we have time to go through all play by the play. plots of everything yeah. um so i wanted to talk a bit just about um, the characters over the course of the three episodes, yes. uh, starting with Rafi. Um, now, I did not see really coming this idea that she was going to be pairing up with Worf to go on this adventure. I didn't really think that much about it. I think because I tend to think that she pairs up with Seven. Um, right. <laughs> Literally. What you guys, yeah. What did you guys think about this this idea that the two of them were going to be the ones going on this investigation of the thefts from the Daystrom Institute. I liked it. I, I thought it was a great pairing. I did not see it coming. Uh, it, I, I like the new and improved wharf. I'm working on myself. You know, <laughs> yeah. The, uh, opposed MLG. with, opposed with Rafi, who's a hot mess, you know, in a number of ways, family, drugs, etc. So I, this is a, a curious partnership, and I'm eager to see what comes of it. I'm I'm waiting, eagerly waiting for them to tie these two storylines together. Well, I think they will when we get to the mm -hmm. point where they find where they do their investigation at Daystrom, where apparently if you take something from Daystrom, they don't bother to do an inventory afterwards. <laughs> oh wait, wasn't that just there? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Also, this is. Didn't they also steal something from the Daystrom Institute in season one of Picard? It's like somebody's yes. security has really lapsed here. Well, yeah. it's like it's like the you know, the data banks on the Enterprise. Just have yeah. Adam. I I will say, uh, speaking of the pairing, obviously I I realized that Worf was the handler that we didn't know, the faceless handler. I knew he was going to be that, but I didn't realize they're going to pair him up like that. And I think it's a perfect pairing because it is a great bad cop good cop kind of thing. Yes. You can keep and your they, fingernails. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which they, yeah, they demonstrated with the, uh, the changeling guy. Uh, but as you mentioned, Chuck, they're, you know, works like his, his batleth. He's been sharpened and he keeps changing himself, kind of honing himself in. And then you got Ralphie, which is kind of all over the place. So I think it makes a perfect, 
uh, coupling where they can probably feed off each other a little bit or at least help Ralphie some. They're the odd couple in space. <laughs> um, but I, I was thinking about that when uh, they were uh, interrogating the changing that, that whole good cop, bad cop thing they had going uh, out of no plan to do it. They didn't say, Hey, we're going to do this thing. And I'm going to be, no, that was right, just, right. it just who they worked. were. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. The, uh, okay. Another character, interesting twist that I thought I, I, we knew from Vatic's statement you know, about a psychological profile, Shaw had some issues, which come right. out in episode four. What I didn't expect was Riker's, uh, you know, he was avoiding the fight. He kept saying, you know, we're going to take us safely home. And, you know, Picard was, no, we got to turn around and fight. He's given us no choice. And he, they, they kind of belabored that into the crisis of the Titan getting disabled well, and sucked in. I was, like, I was why viewing was he as, so passive? I was viewing that as the fear of loss that, you know, he lost his son. And I think that he doesn't want, because in uh, episode four, he talks about death a bit. Yeah. And I think that that's weighing on his mind. And he just keeps going over and over and over that. And he doesn't want that to happen again. So his desire is to retreat to the safe space and not try to go after a ship that they're clearly outgunned yeah. by. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I had that thing I, when we were watching the episode and Riker gets command yeah. and everybody was like, yeah. And I was ready. I was ready for him to start, you know, Spewing right, out, right? Put that leg up and, and start up. doing things. Yes. And he's like, he was just like, they're still talking about it. Into the second episode, what they're going to do, or they're kind of giving up. I'm like, this is not, not, not what I was expecting at all. Right, and right. and you know, I, I think you're right, Clinton. It has to do with his backstory, the loss of his son, yeah. the 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 relationship or lack thereof with Deanna. So I th- I think that's playing on his mind. And then finally, towards the end of episode four, sorry, Craig. You know, uh, Dr. Crusher and Picard talk him into, let's do what we know how to do best. Yeah. I saw that part. Yeah. Okay. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, um, another thing that I was very puzzled by in the episode when it happened, but episode four finally gave me the answer to this is that when, uh, Shaw is disabled, Mm -hmm. He looks directly at Riker and says, this is your fault. You got got us us into into this. this. I'm thinking, no, Picard is the one who got you into this. Why in the world would it? And we find out in episode four why he certainly would not give control of his ship to Picard. Right. Well, and the same was true when, uh, you know, Riker said, get off the bridge, Picard. You've killed us all. no, you made the decision to follow his suggestion. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's on the captain. If you're going to take responsibility for the ship, you should take all responsibility for the ship, regardless of where the direction is coming from. I thought that was a little weak on Riker's part. The other one that's yeah. left hanging is there's a point where Beverly turns to Jack and says, they're going to need us. Like, I haven't unhooked that yet or found out what that was all about. But I, we're getting tantalizing tips, like when he got knocked out by the vitrian gas or whatever it was, and he sees seven and there's red tentacles and crap all over oh, the yeah. walls. And a, and a 
door like hallucinating open a little bit. Background. Yeah. And we see, sorry, Craig, a little more of that at the very end of episode four. Something's mm-hmm. up with, now hey, it's. Uh, you can stop apologizing. I'm going to watch it as soon as now we're it's, here. Now it's a nightmare before <laughs> Christmas. Something's up with Jack. Something's up with Jack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, right. we, we still don't really have any clue what the deal is, why everyone is so after him. Yeah. Even though, even though um, Beverly is saying, I don't think it's about Jack. I think it's about you to, to Jean-Luc. Right. I, 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 I'm not convinced of that because they, they seem to be so intent on it. I mean, they're sending this mysterious three-dimensional thing that kind of lives in Vatic um, is saying, you're not important. You know, this is important. You have to go into the, she's, I don't want to go into there. I'm, oh, yeah. I, I, no, you, you, you no, missed, you missed, the, you missed the pun entirely. How did it, yeah. she summon that little creature? That, that, that Well, she had something up her sleeve. Clearly she, but, uh, she it, cut it, off her hand. That makes him the handler. But okay. Oh, you guys missed it. No, as soon right. as I saw her cut I'm off her head, like, we we didn't say it. We didn't say we missed it, though. Let's let's put it that yeah. way. Uh, yeah. So, and that was not a changeling, as far as I can tell, because we've never seen. It the was, well, it it was like sort of that. like a. That, uh, I was trying to figure that out if it was or not. I, or yeah, yeah. It, I, was, I, I it was no idea, it was but... something new we haven't seen, but it it looked like a variation of a changeling slash communications device slash well except except it had it had an odd face, face yeah and uh, you know yeah, in some the, space in the interference form, they're just super- right but they're just but they're they're just liquid so it shows that for a reason if it's a changing i'm thinking why why would you why would you right, choose that right. and also why do you have to hover above uh-huh. the surface the, so the, the, ma- the, the magical steel pot, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, the, the, the pot yeah. figures in differently because we get, we, we see a little, a little tight depth. So you saw the little picture of, of Odo when we uh, see the pad that is talking about oh, the, yeah. uh, the, uh, the urn that uh, the changelings have to go back into. And uh, I <laughs> didn't know, fun, fun fact, we didn't know before, but, but, you know, a goo apparently is sometimes left in that pot. Residue. I love that. Residue. You got to steal their pot. She says, I assume you're not talking about cannabis. Yeah. <laughs> like, dude, yeah. I think he says something like, yeah, I wish, yeah. but anyway. yeah, I wish. <laughs> and that, hey, that way, was the kind of wit Todd Stashwick has in person too. He's, yeah, he's quick with that kind right. of stuff. Hey, speaking of changelings, did y'all realize, and Chuck uh, Clinton, you may have seen this story floating around, but uh, the first changeling we see with Worf and Rafi is Thomas Thomas Decker, who is actually one of Picard's kids in Generation Movie. I remember that that actor was going to be in it. I did not remember that Uh, that was the part. Okay. Yeah. I don't know that. Yeah, there's no special. Which was also interesting because at at some points when they're you know, really grilling him and his, he's getting really tight faced. Yeah. He looks a bit like Combs. Oh, I was, he I was going to say he looked like, um, yeah. <sighs> the doctor who guy. Uh, I'm, I had it. David Tennant? 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 Yes. David Tennant. Well, you, he, I, he, he kind of did I the mad eye moody thing. There. Yeah. He does look a little bit like that. And, and uh, the story I read said that he just, auditioned he didn't mention anything about star trek so it was kind of surprised everybody when they realized oh he was already on star trek so that's another 
actor that's come back from the uh, TNG era. <laughs> I also get a kick out of the fact that on Twitter, the actor who plays the changeling on board the Titan, yeah, when the first episode aired, mm-hmm. uh, and that one when Picard and Riker were coming on board, he kind of gives this look. Oh, he changes them. his, he changes, and he changes. Uh, well, that's Picard fixes his thing. No, I think that's somebody else, but when there's a passing by, he is looking at them. He gets kind of this, this yeah. glance. And the actor said, Hey, look, it's now official. I'm in Star Trek. And I thought, and Terry Metalis responded to that with something or other. And I, I did as well to them. So no, you're well, not. We cut your scene. <laughs> well, it's, no, it's right there. It's a still look. I got that. And I'm thinking now it's like maybe Terry's also a private message. Can you? We don't want to draw a lot of attention to your character right now because uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's important back later. Back off, back off, back off. I was right, though, when I think we were discussing who's the bad guy. And I said, I don't trust uh, Ensign LaForge. Well. Well, <laughs> yes, in a way. Yeah, she came back yeah. as the bad guy, sort of. It was the changeling impersonating her. But I was right. It's like, she's going to. She's going to cross you. Now, what did Seven use that knocked out the changeling? Because she was using a phaser before firing point blank and nothing was happening. Well, the the guy she met in the hallway shot off his arm. He grew it back. And then she shot him again, but he escaped through the... The hatch. She she, she shot him several times. I don't know what happened. Maybe it was because she was point blank that it just kind of went right into... Changeling LaForge's chest and killed it? I don't know. I don't know. Because I was wondering why why this one was, this encounter was different. But I, I don't know about you guys, but I certainly did not see uh, Dominion figuring into this plot line of this story. No, not at the beginning. No. I, 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 think, I think that, that was a... I, I don't I, think anybody did. Um, we have to talk about the elephant in the room, though. The ending of episode four, what happens to oh, the nebula... It. Okay, go ahead. Right, because we have the we have the we have those energy pulses. Setup. They said we we're have, getting well, biometric pulses. Oh, or bio- I think I, I and they mentioned it two or three else. times. Yeah, they mentioned. Yeah, it right. Times. We're getting. But I was like, I thought you meant about um, the punchline, if you will, that was set up in episode two, because in episode two, Vatic ship tosses the medical ship at the Titan. Yep. Yes. And in episode four, Riker, Riker tosses, tosses an asteroid at the Shrike. At, at the sh- at, yeah, and knocks it out of commission. Little known fact about Shrikes, it's a bird of prey, which they mentioned, but it also, it'll catch like a grasshopper or a locust or something, and then find a thorn tree or a, a chain link fence or something that has a spike on it, and it will impale its prey or its victim onto that spike and come back for it later. So if you ever walk by a tree and there's like crickets lining the the thorns that's like, a shrike like heads on spikes yeah pretty yeah. much pretty much like the whole thing impaled and a, and a bird like doing this to you is like, uh, yeah you know, you're next get out of there get yeah. out yeah. that that's that's a shrike okay right. but that so that was what i was thinking but you go ahead with um the other part there okay so they're they're getting both what was it? Electrical and biological pulses mm-hmm. from right. the nebula. It's like, and that's they made weird. A, and they made a, they they made made a, a point, point to say that. Knock that out. Yeah. Yep. And, and then Riker, or excuse me, Beverly starts timing them. Five, four, three, two, one. Boom. Like, what is she doing? 
And she finally comes forth and says, it's, it's like contractions. Someone, someone's going to have a baby. Well, Space what baby. did you all think about the result of that? I don't know. Okay, I'll break the news to you. <laughs> Remember Farpoint? And they even mentioned Encounter right, at Farpoint. They do Point. specifically call yep. it out. Right? Oh, yeah. They, yeah the the space the, jellyfish? Mm-hmm. This is where they were born. There's like a gazillion of these little uh, squiddies at the end. Yeah, I'm not sure if they're the same species, but they certainly are damn close. Related. I mean, they're, they're, they're babies, so they might not. So they might not everything's exactly come the full circle. Now we're we're doing the crystalline t- entity one more time. Yeah, which I think they mentioned. Or the jellyfish. Well, we at some point. Q, okay. We got the jellyfish. Yeah. I I, jellyfish. I I was scratching my head on that one. I'm not sure how on, the market is going to take it. On on the jellyfish. Uh, I mean, it, that's classic Trek to me. Is that you know you think it's going to be this one thing that's going to destroy everything, and then suddenly it turns out nope. It's just the universe being the universe, just doing a thing. Well, that's doing true. A given birth. Can we have Troy saying great joy and gratitude too? Uh, when she shows up right now, she's just on screens. Which I'm ready to see the other cast members show up. Yeah, so now we're, we're four episodes in. <laughs> Where's LeVar? We're almost half, we're about half, we're halfway there, right? Or well, almost we're almost halfway, halfway through. Living on a prayer. Yeah. Yep. Um, so although we've seen... Deanna, in two episodes now, they both times have been on a screen. Right. And I <laughs> think they're all together at, 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 we were promised they'd all be together in not just one little scene, but yeah. in several scenes. So it's got to happen pretty quick. I imagine, I imagine the last two episodes, they're probably going to be in there prominently together. There were so some, get, there were some heavy scenes. Either. There were some heavy scenes in these last couple episodes. Oh man. Riker. Picard I mean, and Beverly. Or right. or Riker being shaken when he finally uh, reconciles with uh, Picard at the end. You know, he's you can hear his voice quaking as he's talking mm-hmm. about when we buried my son. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like whoa. Yeah, we have a we have a. I think the biggest gut punch is 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 the end of episode four because you know oh. Beverly had said Beverly had said that well you know I told Jack who you were and, and where to find how you yeah. find you and, and he chose not to do it and of course we have Picard telling all these stories to the cadets and people at the academy blah 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 and then you hear this one voice talk about did you ever have another family and it was jack yeah in that bar asking that question and but Picard jean luke didn't know who he was right because it because he'd never seen him before it said you know starfleet is my family it, it, i don't need a, another one yeah starfleet is the only well, family i've ever needed I'm like wow no wonder and, he, he stayed out of his life oh my god and then, and the next time he looks back, there's no one sitting in the bar stool anymore. And yeah. then, so you get that realization from Picard at the conclusion of the episode when he's looking at Jack, realizing, oh my God, that was uh-huh. that person. Yeah. They did, he did come and see me, and that was what I told him. Long, silent stare from both of them on camera. It was great. The, the, the other emotional one I got was when Picard jumped into the captain's seat of the Titan to like navigate. Oh, that was out. pretty cool. One. I was like, oh, oh man. Jumping is. Jumping is a little generous, but uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> he is a little older. Come on. He's not he jumping. Pull, he did pull up a car maneuver once he sat down. Uh-huh. Immediately. That was the first thing he did was tug. I, no, I half right. expected the Titan to kind of slingshot around one of those asteroids, but they did not do that no, maneuver again. I was expecting them to do the Picard maneuver and have it warp ahead. So you see two ships at one time. Ah. And, well, we and we haven't talked about the the portal weapon either. But they abandoned uh, it. 
I was like, why, well, why, why did she ditch the portal weapon? I didn't understand she that. She said she had to turn that that power was needed if they were going into. They dropped it off. Remember the that as soon as they, as soon as the Shrike turned around, right. you could see it going. It came right at the camera and I could not freeze. It says something on there. There's an Easter egg or, or something like stolen yeah, from yeah. Daystrom it or says, something. It says portal weapon. Property of Daystrom <laughs> Institute. Do not remove. Yeah, some, yeah. Something flashes in the very top of the, the screen. Yes. For yeah. a second. My guess is, so does it, I guess, does it look like the same thing that's in the end credits with all the call-outs pointing to it? Maybe. I haven't um, looked that closely. Because as you watch episodes and you watch the end credits, you go, okay, that was, this is from this episode and that's from that episode right. and that's from right. that you episode. Gotta, you got to put the jigsaw pieces back in where they go. Well, all right. So we talked about these episodes. Something, uh, you know, uh, I saw an article where they were talking about, well, it's a big nostalgia fest, but you know it what? Is. It is, but I'm enjoying the hell out of it. And it's, I think there's a good underlying story here too. And they, and there there's an, I think there's enough changed up. I mean, I'm obviously nostalgic to see these characters interact with each other, but it's also interesting to see how they progress. As we've heard, um, I sort of say Jean-Luc, but as, as we've heard, uh, Patrick Stewart talk about, you know, they're, they've gotten older as we've gotten older and, which is really the case because you're like, oh, well, these people have a lot of baggage now after their age. And it's really cool to see their interactions, you know, as they know each other today. It's, and so nostalgic or not, I'm enjoying the hell out of it. It's fun to go back and watch like TNG when they aged themselves, like on, on All Good Things. <laughs> and you look at how they tried to age Beverly. And it's like, yeah. like you, you, you got toilet paper on your neck or something. You know, she aged better in real life than they did than than uh, oh, yeah, Michael yeah. Westmore did in, for makeup. Or I mean, she look, or yeah, like she her when convincing you, back then, but she yeah. doesn't look anything like she does now. No, yeah, no. Uh, but yeah, I'm enjoying the hell out of it. I, um, I'm I'm sitting there. I like the the last episode that we watched on the ship. I probably watched it like three or four times, to be honest with you. Yeah, and then I go out in the living room, and Donna's watching it. It's like, so, I'm sitting down again. She said, did you miss it? I'm, nope, taking notes for the show. Well, as part of it is just to see Worf hang, doing stuff. It's like, I love seeing uh, Michael Dorn as Worf. And I would and I would say a, a fun little game to play is spot the number of Orions on Oh, the my Titan. goodness. Yeah. Uh, there's, there, I, I, they blew the budget had, on green makeup. Ooh. Yeah, we had a security person who was with Seven, who was an Orion. And there's also one... Also, one in medical. It's it's yep. not, you know. And on Metallus Prime. It's not. And there's a bunch of them on Metallus yeah. Prime. Right. Yeah. It wasn't Tendi in in no. Sick Bay. No, that we that we know of anyway. <laughs> it wasn't. I'm ready for the Exocomp to show up. A peanut hamper. No thanks. Yeah. <laughs> leave it. Leave it. Still drifting through space. Well, I'm. Uh, I forget the timing. I, I I did look this up before, and we've had this discussion before about the timing between Lower Decks and this, because if they go to the Dacium Institute, I'm thinking, well, you should have Peanut Hamper there and all these other you know things that get put there. But I'm thinking, I think that's after, or I, I can't remember exactly where it falls, because Lower Decks is still in just after Nemesis range, and Picard is later than that. Yeah. So that those things wouldn't be there yet. Which <laughs> I is just heard, I just searched for Star Trek Picard Lower Decks timeline and I got Star Star Trek Lower Decks premiered on CBS yeah. all that. Yeah. That's not what I'm looking for. No, you don't understand. <laughs> you stupid don't understand. Google. Yeah, all right, so Google. we can rate these just as a group because it's really hard to yep. Un yep. intertwine these things to do so. It's a lot like the movies 
Wrath of Khan, Search for Spock, Voyage Home. Two, three, and four, Except they go together. One has a whale, has whales in it. That's how you and, can tell them apart. And the other has cetaceans. Oh, sorry. All right. So let's rate this on, what do we get? What do we want for a scale here? Um, solids? Solids. <laughs> Buck, yeah. Buckets. Sure. Why not? Yeah. Buckets. Buckets. Okay. All right. So Chuck, why don't you go first for two, three, and four together as All a together. group? All together now. Uh, I'm going with a solid nine. There's, this was good stuff. I can't think of too much to pick on. It left me scratching my head in a few places and I wasn't real keen on the space squids at the end. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I'm going to rate it 8.5 and I'm going to go 8.5. It was almost a nine for me. Um, the one drawback for me is that you have three plot lines going on, if you will. I mean, the two main ones, and then you also have, you know, Vatic. And we seem to like forget about major plot lines for an entire episode, which yeah. is frustrating. Rafi wasn't anywhere me. in episode yeah, four. I went kind of split up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So for that, just a, a little lower for 8.5 for me on that. I noticed that too. I went, it, was there any scene? Um, were they in the very beginning? Or yeah, I was I was confused on four where the other plot line was going. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to give it also nine buckets because I love the callbacks and I love the progression the characters have have made. You know, so I mean, I'm look. I I keep looking forward to these episodes. Today I was excited because it was Thursday. So I wanted to say the episode, which I didn't get to do until the tonight, but. Uh, I, I'm loving everything about it. Everything from the the newer look of the Lacar, uh, El Cars to the ship to uh, the characters, you name it. I mean, it's hard to, like you said, pick on anything. The so music, the lighting, it, yeah, it's, the music, it's yeah, well done. everything well is done. they're they are hitting on all cylinders. Uh, and kudos to Terry Metalis and all the other writers because this is fantastic. Absolutely. All right. Let's move on directly to our warp speed roundtable. Do we need a sound effect? Sure. Give us one. Um, The sick bay (laughs) scanner it is. Not terribly exciting, but very important if your life is Uh, in danger. Chuck, I think you you have a heart palpitation there. This sound effect brought to you by (laughs) sick bay. Stop by sick bay. Open Tuesdays from 6 to 8 p.m. What? (laughs) (laughs) Where Riker will administer you, you know, medication without even uh, batting an eyelash. Last time around, we asked you to invent a unique way to destroy the new Enterprise NCC-1701F. And Matt Marv gave us this scenario. I predict that the main computer will gain sentience from a transporter accident with the doctor from Voyager. His pattern in the buffer jumps the share, uh, firewall and rubs off onto the main computer. The computer <laughs> starts to speak and sound exactly like Moriarty while totally denying that Moriarty is back. Everything goes downhill from there until Moriarty decides to time travel the Enterprise back to his home in 19th century England. He drops a decimal point or three in his calculations and the Enterprise goes somewhere, some when, and is never seen again. Maybe depends if he takes Jellico, Pulaski, and et cetera with him. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. So, that's, that's a weird uh, uh, setup. Jellico, Pulaski, who would be the counselor <laughs> on that spinoff of Star Trek? That, um, that is a warp. unique way to destroy the <laughs> Enterprise. 
Yeah. All right. All right. So this time around, with the uh, the announcement that season five will be the last uh, season of Discovery, mm-hmm. I asked Chuck and Craig to come up with, and I did as well, three top moments from Discovery seasons one through four. Uh, so we'll do a round robin on this one. Let me just get my notes here. I will start things off and then I'll go to uh, Craig and then Chuck. I'm going to start off with, it's a, it's two things in one. It's a, it's like, a, it's like, a, you know, when you put the chocolate and the peanut butter together, mm-hmm. uh, the first part is Tilly's introduction when she walks in to her quarters and mm-hmm. Burnham is there lying on the cot. And That's she, she just puts her foot rambles on and on about stuff. A guaranteed best friend. And, you know, of course, the only Burnham, the only Michael that I know is, you know, the, Michael the Burnham, which, yeah, you know, yeah. Right. And, right. Yeah. 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 And then yeah. the second, that was, a, half that, was a, that, that was a good scene, by the way. I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. The second half of that is when Tilly turns into Killy, that first scene <laughs> when she walks onto the bridge <laughs> And it's just oh. like, where did all that come from? Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. Because it was great to have that character, that character, that character so established in such a short amount of time that that was a 180. And you knew it was a 180. Well, on she was character. struggling at first, too. She was like, well, 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 I, I, I'm going to cut out your tongue and lick my boot. Oh, with no, it. no, 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 no. She, it, she, her moment of doubt is when she swears uh, at um, Lorca and uh, Burnham. Yeah. In the ready room. And right. he says, no, I think that's appropriate, you know, for this universe. When she steps out, she starts barking commands to the bridge crew, even before they turn on the view screen. And they're looking like, oh, damn, I guess this is going to be interesting. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, no, she she was all in it at that point. Yeah, so that was me, a great. Like, that was great. Yeah. Kind of two two heads of, of one coin, two sides of well, one coin there. I would I would say, to add to that, Tilly is probably a highlight. Of the whole series, yes, period. Absolutely. She's been in there. Yeah. All right, Craig, what's your first? Uh, my first was uh, I really liked when Picard, uh, Picard, when Pike, <laughs> <What? laughs> <laughs> Picard, episode. He, he went back in the past to give, no, uh, when Pike showed up, of course, and he finally sees himself in the chair, you know, and they got the makeup on and everything. And then you see the Telosians, uh, there and the whole thing. I I, I like that. I, I really liked um, when Pike saw himself. Now I'm not saying it's a highlight. I th- maybe like a lot of people would think, but I I thought that was a really cool callback. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and and it's a setup for something that haunts him through most of season right. one of Strange New Worlds. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that was the point when everybody was like, "We want a Pike series. We want a Pike series," and they were having to play coy about it because I'm sure it was already planned. When we finally got it, you know, what a few years later. Well, they did admit a number of people admitted. They said, "Hey, you know, if you want to see something on Star Trek, let us know. Let the writers know, because that's how we got Strange New Worlds. The fans demanded it. Yeah, oh, so, very much so. Yeah, yeah, very much so. All right, what about you, Chuck? What's your first? I'm going to start out with uh, Ripper. I liked the Tardigrade. I thought that oh, was yeah. that was an interesting addition, an interesting angle to take. Uh, you know, people went Spore Drive. How can we never heard anything about that? How could it be canon if it was never mentioned before? You know, because right. season one was getting a bit of a, you know, a chain yanking. But I thought, I, I, I liked Ripper. I, I just thought it was a, a great, you know, ripping through the hull with its claws. And then, uh, yeah. you know. And you didn't know what it was going to happen when it was in that cell. 
uh, that Lorca had there yep. for a while. And you're like, it's a little dangerous. Yeah. There's a lot right. of unknowns with it. Yeah. And it ends up curling itself into a little ball. Cause it's just, you know, mm, I'm done. He went, and, he went, he went the way of the caretaker. Make yourself small. All right. I'm going to go on to my second. My second is Pike's first appearance on the bridge of the discovery. Mm-hmm. Um, because that scene was very important. I think when you're watching the scene, you're also thinking the same thing is like, we just went through this whole season with basically a captain who out and out lied, almost got them killed. Um, and so you have this new person showing up that we know, but they don't. And how is he going to convince them of that? It is not the same situation. And right. you notice, even in that scene, he says, I'm not Lorca. They're mm-hmm. still kind of, they're not sure. And it's just the way he presents himself in that scene. And then the following scene where he's asking people to just give me your name, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If there's not, not important, yeah. yeah, I just want to know who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, that well, sells it, yeah, to, to both us and to the crew at the same time. Well, to to your point, Lorca was lying and deceiving everybody. Here was Pike on the bridge being openly honest with everybody. Because remember, he said, "Oh, well, there's my uh, my one fail, you know, at the academy," and he was just being open about everything. And yeah, it was a very Great juxtaposition between the two captains. Absolutely. And how about you, Craig? What's your second? Well, I jokingly sent Clinton a picture of uh, Michael eating the Kelpian, but <laughs> that's not, that was too soon, man. Too soon. <laughs> it's actually, I wish you could see it, Chuck. He's got the, the chopsticks literally putting it in her mouth. Uh, anyways, the next moment was uh, between Stamets and Culber. Uh, we're not necessarily them two in the scene I'm talking about, but um, I didn't realize how invested I was in, in them uh, until uh, Tyler, you know, killed Colbert. Spoiler alert. And, and I'm like, whoa, no. I remember sitting on the couch with Harrison. I was like, no, 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 no. I was, I was yelling at the TV. Cause I was like, I really liked Colbert uh, to begin to, for him, him, just him alone. But I, I was kind of invested in their relationship for some reason. But I thought it was uh, really cool. Uh, not cool. Uh, I thought it was really a downer, I meant to say, that when he killed him, it was like, well, there goes that. We're never going to see him anymore. And, and it is, in essence, killed him in front of Stamets. Yeah. It did. Yeah. Stamets was in the in the in catatonic state, kind of, yep. you know, yep. on the in the table. So, yes, yeah, so I thought that was pretty bad. And, of course, along with that is the twist you kind of find out about Tyler Voke Ash, you know, kind of situation as well, which I was a, that was kind of a big twist. Indeed. All right. What about you, Chuck? Uh, mine, you? mine was the first time you see the discovery and the enterprise on the same <laughs> screen at the same time. Actually, that was my bonus when I sent Clinton, I was like that last frame. I remember yep, looking at that yep. a million times, you know? Yeah. I think Sorry. you had it on the, as the background on all three of your monitors, that kind of thing. Craig, I did. Craig went a little mm. bit over his phone. Yeah. <laughs> He'd be well, showing family so cool. pictures at the reunion, and here's yeah. you know, two ships. There's Harrison when he was two years old. Oh, there's the Enterprise and, and Discovery. <laughs> <laughs> and then Harrison learned to walk, and oh, look, it's the Enterprise and the Discovery again. 
This is, is frame number 312. This is our wedding. And here's frame 313. Yeah. I really... I was it's, enamored by the Enterprise when it showed up the way it Yeah, was. and it's it's interesting because you get that image, the Enterprise stops as it gets within, you know, certain distance of discovery. Cut, wait for next season. Yeah. What? Exactly. What? That was oh, it's like, man, I want to see what and you don't know if they're getting attack mode or they're just approaching them. It's like, what's going on? So Right. And they were they were hailing them because they were they had been damaged, and it's like, I, we, what's all that about? And you know, that was the worst, best cliffhanger ever. It's like we just saw the Enterprise for like two seconds. All right, and it had its theme music, so there you go. Yeah. All right, my third one is um, also kind of a, another two-parter. It's the introduction in the first episode of season three of Discovery of. Federation liaison Sahil. He's the one that's on the the post and Burnham and Book go to go to the station to because she's trying to find out where the discovery is and he 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 doesn't have that information because he can only cover one small sector and then he admits that he was never actually commissioned that his father was and his father was and he's just been doing this for forty years waiting for someone to show up and he says and that person is you to burn him and it was very you know then he they're raising the um or lowering the um the federation flag which is much diminished mm-hmm. and then oh yeah that's right you 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 hope for something that you figure is not going to happen but in the final season the final episode of the season he shows up again at starfleet headquarters in uniform, having made contact with the rest of the Federation and Starfleet. So to me, that was a, a great moment, very emotional moment at the beginning of the season, and that it actually had a payoff with a scene, because he talks to Michael. So it's not just him passing by. They have a scene to bookend what happened at the beginning of the season, which I thought was great. Nice. All right. And you're number three, Craig. Yeah, my my last one that was uh and again these were these were scenes that just kind of popped in my head. I didn't go digging around, but this is one that really stood out to me was the dinner scene when uh uh, uh Saru was trying to work through everybody's PTSD uh, about what had happened, and of course Filippo was there, the emperor. Uh she was in throwing up the there. barbs left and right. Yeah, yeah, she's throwing that out. Uh, but to me, that was kind of a turning point when it wasn't just about Michael only, it was about, you know, they started involving the other characters more because, you know, to the first season, you're like, you hardly knew the names of these other characters. And, uh, so at this point was when we started bringing an emotional level to everybody and they're all kind of working their, their way through this meal and at first it's so it's kind of okay and it kind of descends and breaks apart, but it shows uh, the emotional baggage that these people have had over this uh, emotional time they've had uh, prior to that. So I thought that was a pretty impactful scene. Yeah. Because even when it, the scene broke down, mm-hmm. it was like, I've been to then that Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're all a family, but at some point you go, mm, and why is this turkey blue? Yeah. You know, 
Oh, give that to Shaw. He'll eat it. He'll eat anything. Hey, the replicators are broken. We got real turkeys down here, Kirk. <laughs> well, we're, we're hopping back to TOS all of a sudden. As God is my witness, I thought turkeys what? could fly. Wasn't it TAS? They had real turkeys in the. Mm, I don't know. No, I think because of the, no, it's, it was... it's 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 TOS because Kirk makes the point. Doesn't make the point about even though we're in space, I'd like it to taste like real. Maybe that was Christmas. Maybe that was a Christmas. <laughs> I don't know. One of those. One of those holidays. The Star Trek and, holiday special. You know where? Yes. No. No. <laughs> quick, ah, no. quick! Give, get, get that up. Give us your third one, Chuck. I need some brainwash. Brain, <laughs> brain, brain, brain bleach. There you go. Mine's very general. It's any fight scene with Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. Bingo. Bingo. That's a good one. Right. I had. I had like an alternate in case you guys had one of mine. Was the Giorgio's complete pummeling of leland slash control yep at the end of season two mm-hmm. where she gleefully presses the button that has him disintegrate you know, yeah she just laughs and cackles just like, awesome yeah. well you know as imperfect this discovery is there is some a lot of good points to it so is where would it rank in your in your Boy, that's, se- i would i would or franchise of parts I would like to, I mean, I've always said that you, it's hard to judge them while you're in the middle of it. Right. Cause um, good point. that you yeah. need DS9 to, would have ranked really assistance. low back in the day. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a whole nother season to go through, which apparently will be different than the other seasons. If some True. of the other seasons have been different than each other. Yeah. So we will, we will see how that all works out. And I really think people that <clears throat> not, not to your, point exactly craig but you know i don't like it if somebody like snap judgments about no you're right you know you what know. you're right uh we need to see the whole thing before we can make a judgment on it oh, the one and, the, uh, and speaking of i'm sorry go ahead i'm sorry i just thought we had a comment from uh uh from listener diane about a highlight here let's see can i show that and can can you guys read it because it's really small oh i'm not even seeing when we see saru's home for the first time and how he ended up in space when kayla goes out the airlock and number one rain wilson yes i was i was gonna do harry mud but yeah yeah he was he was really good i wanted to see him again i guess we probably could you could you have to you have to have some uh dancing going on there because Spock can't see him, right? There's certain people that can't see him if you do Harry Mud. Mm-hmm. Oh, otherwise, you know, well, Spock, Spock can be at a conference. Yes, that week. <laughs> so, right. our prediction: the next time Spock is off the ship, expect Harry yeah. Mud to show up. Right. The only thing uh, I wish that Discovery had done a little differently, and I don't know if you guys have opinions on some of the things they would have done differently. I wish they'd have portrayed the Klingons more like we know the Klingons from like. TNG a little. You didn't bit like the reinvented Discovery Klingons? I don't know. They tried to retcon it, you know, and then later on, but said, "Oh, well, they were they were bald during wartime, and now they got hair." I'm like, I I, I didn't mind it, and I think that one of the things that is going to be interesting about this idea of like where does Discovery sit in the the framework of stuff uh, in the uh, over the passage of time is that it took Trek places that trek hadn't been before no Mm -hmm. pun intended but and they swung 
at a lot of things. Were they always successful? No. But do you want to play it so safe that there's no change? No. So oh, I, yeah. think that, no, yeah. I think that, you know, it, while the Klingons, and I didn't, I really didn't mind them that much. Well, the Klingons weren't everybody's like, it's the idea of let's push that envelope a bit this way. And let's push that envelope a little bit that, that way. And if there's, if there's, you know, too much negative feedback, then we pull back a little bit from that, but we don't want to not mm-hmm. do it because we're afraid of what fans are going to think of it constantly. Yeah. I oh, know. I get that. And I'm, I'm fine. I am ultimately fine with it. I just said, I wish they would have done them a little more traditionally because they, they seem kind of marble mouthed and hard to move. You know, even as a character, they were. <laughs> yeah, they, I was like, "What? It looks like they. How are they going to fight? You know, because they're not nimble. It just seemed kind of stiff. That's the only thing I'm. And now the people that played the Klingon, I thought the characters are great. You know, they will attack them with their pointy costumes, the pointy uniforms. I'm sorry, we didn't see more uh, Mary Chifo as uh, more Klingon. You know, going on going forward. There's a whole nother series you could have. Yeah, I'm still pulling for Mary to show up in Strange New Worlds. Chancellor Lorel, she, she is she is that point in the timeline. Uh, well, yep. clearly. Uh, so we will we will see. All right, but for right now, it's time hey, to she'll, she'll she'll show up with a smooth forehead, and they'll oh, try God. to explain. <laughs> there was this virus, and never mind. We do not Long speak story. of it with outworlders. Yeah, <laughs> in 2020, there was this virus, and uh, it caused our foreheads to smooth out. Time to refill the dilithium chamber and warp on out of here. <laughs> you can find me, Clinton, at Comedy Forecast, all one word with the number four dot com. And who speaks for you guys? Go ahead, Greg. All right. So you can find us at Technorama. Uh, you can go to uh, search Google for Technorama podcast and you'll find us. Uh, if you search for Technorama, you'll find the Swiss Science Museum. But if you go below that, you'll find us also. Just, just stay in. So anyway, you, anywhere you go get your podcasts or go look for us, you can just search for Technorama Podcast and you'll find us. Excellent, excellent, excellent. All right, time to hit the theme, boys. If you like the show, sure, please be sure to tell a friend about it and subscribe so you never miss an episode. We'd love to hear from you. Follow us on Twitter at The Topic is Trek. Visit our Facebook page or visit thetopicistrek.com. Until next time, on behalf of Chuck, Craig, and myself, I'm Clinton thanking you for listening and as we always say here on the topic is trek don't don't put on on the red red shirt. shirt shirt eat it this time don't do it i think we should boldly get that out of here 